0: This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows.
1: It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Bumps all through the night, mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing together. Hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast, you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh?
0: Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host, Jerry and Tracy Polly,
1: and their dog ninja.
2: Hey, this is Nick Roth, and you're listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Hey guys, welcome to episode 213 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry.
1: And I'm Tracy.
2: We are excited to be with you tonight. We sure are. So we're in our new studio and we've decided we keep adding and adding. It's almost complete. (laughs) (laughs) I I say almost like it's not going to be complete like really soon, but there's there's still a bunch of stuff that I want to do. But for the most part, it's complete. All the big stuff that we bought is in here. And we are going to unveil it to you guys this coming Friday, the 21st, because that is the four year anniversary of Hillbilly Horror Stories.
1: And my honey's birthday is next week.
2: Yeah, that's the next day. So yeah. we started the podcast on Kevin's birthday because his birthday is the day before mine. And it just, you know, it's just something I thought was the right thing to do. Just kind of a tribute to him since he wasn't around anymore. And some special moments, obviously, in uh, when it comes to Kevin as far as some paranormal stuff that we've talked about on the show before. And it's something I'm just getting ready to start writing about in the book. So... Anyways, there we go, so the four-year anniversary, and we'll come and do a Facebook Live that night, probably around 7 o'clock on that Friday night, and we will show you all the new studio on a Facebook Live. We'll just walk around with the phone and show you everything.
1: Yeah, the room's not that big, so it won't take long.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But there's a lot of stuff in the room, so... No, there is that. We want to start off, as we do every show, by thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent, Thank you all for what you do.
1: Yes, thank you guys. We love you so much for protecting us. And we pray every day for you guys to stay safe and hopefully come home soon from wherever you are. So,
2: And also, we also want to include everybody working on the front lines, all yes. the essential workers and everything for COVID out there. Just stay safe, everybody.
1: Yeah, stay safe, everybody. We love y'all.
2: I also want to say that if you're struggling out there, Uh, mentally this is a tough time for a lot of people just know that you've got friends you've got family Uh, we are included in that friends and family so we love you we want you to know that we're there for you if you ever need to reach out to someone and you don't feel like that you've got somebody in your inner circle that you can count on you can count on us and that's a promise so you can talk to us personally either through and then you can contact us through the group if you want to do that Trust me when I say the group has really had a resurgence lately, and there is a lot of people that are finding help in the group right now.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And if you would rather um, call the suicide hotline, the number is 800-273-8255. You can give them a text at 741741. We are all here for each other, day or night. It does not matter. Please, please, please give us a call or whatever because our world is better with you in it
2: 100 percent. you want to talk about a haunted lighthouse
1: i suppose we could do that
2: <laughs> so i told you we're gonna to try to start doing some stories that we haven't done a lot of and one of those uh, subjects, I guess, it would be lighthouses. We did, obviously, the St. Augustine. That's a big one. We did uh, one up in Canada uh, probably three years ago, and I think we did one on Patreon, and that's been pretty much it. Mm-hmm. So, I started digging around, and I thought, what's one that I hadn't heard about? I looked up a bunch of them, and I found one that had a very unique uh, phenomena tied to it.
1: Mm wonder so what that is.
2: That's the one you'll find out shortly.
1: Oh well, Sounds great. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me?
2: You're just goofy. (laughs) So, anyways, the story we're going to do tonight is the Old Presque Isle Light Station, that's in Presque Isle, Michigan, on Lake Huron. Okay. You have a piece of glitter on your nose, right underneath your nose.
1: You know, it's it's from my lipstick. I keep forgetting that lipstick has glitter in it.
2: Well you obviously don't know where your nose is. No, it's where I
1: like lip, lick my lips and things and then my tongue gets all up there <laughs> and it's just a whole mess. Oh,
2: fantastic. How quick the show gets derailed. Jeez. So this lighthouse was built in eighteen forty at the end of Presque Isle Harbor. But it was decommissioned and shut down for almost a century. The main focus on our story tonight is gonna to be George and Lorraine Paris. Most of the paranormal occurrences happened when they moved in as caretakers. They were a retired couple, and they decided that the keepers' residence there was a perfect summer residence for them, so they took the caretaker's position. They would live at the tower and open it up to all of the visitors who Mm -hmm. came there for tours from mid-May to mid-October every year. So this is the shipping season there. That's when all the big shipping freighters can safely kind of travel without the threat of ice being in the channel. So oh, that's yeah, why.
1: That makes sense. Yeah,
2: it's it's just the perfect time to be open there. Lorraine said that they restored the residence that was then made into a honeymoon cottage so people could actually come there and, and stay. But they actually liked it because it was it was, you know, like I said, they had, I think, stayed there during their honeymoon back years before.
1: Oh, that's really nice.
2: She said to her, this is heaven because it's quiet and peaceful. Obviously, with the lighthouse itself being shut down, George and Lorraine didn't have to worry about the usual lighthouse keeper responsibilities. They didn't have to worry about cleaning the Fresnel lens and the tower and making sure that the light stayed lit at night on st- or in stormy weather. So the lighthouse tower had been dark since the end of the 1870 shipping season. Golly. So I told you it was decommissioned for yeah. 100 years. Yeah. So why, you ask? I did. Why? (laughs) Because they built a much taller lighthouse about a mile up uh, north of this one.
1: No kidding. Yeah, this one
2: was only like 30 feet
1: I wonder how long it takes to build a lighthouse.
2: As long as it would any other house. I guess. (laughs) It's still just regular construction. I guess so. (laughs) So... The old one was pretty much neglected, left to being run down in the early 1900s when S.G. Stebbins' family from Lansing, Michigan bought it from the government. They rebuilt the 1840s Keeper House and they used it as their summer home much the way that George and Lorraine did. They also restored the 30-foot tower. The original lantern room's equipment was taken to the new lighthouse, so this tower didn't have one at the moment. The Stebbins replaced it. With one from the South Fox Island Lighthouse. Now this one had an electric rotator Fresno lens, so it didn't. The other one didn't have an electric one. Oh. So that meant it had to be used, used like when we were at St. Mm-hmm. Augustine, they had to use some type of liquid, uh, gas, or something like that to be able to run the light. Gotcha. So this one they didn't have to. Sometimes the Stebbins would turn on the light. This was an issue.
1: Oh, oh! I guess it would be. <laughs>
2: this was actually illegal to do. The U.S. Coast Guard considered this a non-charted light, and it was illegal because it could confuse mariners.
1: Well, of course it would. Why would they do that though? Why well, would they turn on the light just for fun?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're gonna own a lighthouse. Surely you would like to see the light work in it. It's well, like buying a theater and not running the projector. A true story, but
1: don't they knew they had to know that it was going to confuse?
2: Well, I don't really know how it's going to confuse people. I mean, that was the original lighthouse. That was, its job was to keep people off the rocks. So that's all that, you know, What what's it hurt having two lighthouses keep people off the rocks?
1: Well, I guess. That's
2: just my thoughts anyway. Hundreds drove up the dirt road to ask uh, permission to be able to climb up to the tower every summer. And in the mid-50s, the Stebbins children had all grown up. They no longer used the cottage on a regular basis, so they decided to give in and make it available to tourists. Because these people would just basically come up to their home
1: because oh. they just owned
2: it. I mean, it yeah. was that was where they were living, and uh, for at least during the summertime, so people would just come up there and say, "Hey, can we go up there?" And they're like, um, "This is kind of our personal residence, dude." Mm-hmm. I don't know if they said "dude" back in the fifties, but either way, uh,
1: yeah, I don't know if I'd like that.
2: Either way. So the family left the tower, the cottage including all of its antique furnishings in the hands of caretakers and opened it up as a living history museum.
1: Hmm, I wonder where they moved.
2: Well, they already had a house. This was they only stayed there during the summer.
1: Oh,
2: okay. Okay.
1: Well, that was a good idea though. And like I said
2: they had all their kids and everything and now all their kids were coming back so. Yeah. Was...
1: Oh, but that's a smart idea they did.
2: Mhm. George and Lorraine took over as caretakers in 1977 and they spent 14 years there. How nice. They moved in in mid-May and they spent the next 5 months welcoming people from all over the world into the lighthouse station. They would tell them about the lighthouse and the keepers who actually did have to, you know, keep the light burning years before. They talked about ships that sank in the in the area and actually showed them some of the artifacts that, that were kept right there and displayed on the property. Mm-hmm. George especially liked entertaining the children who came to the lighthouse. He would help them up the spiral staircase and explain how the lens worked. He would even let them ring the 3,400-pound bell that it was at the foot of the tower. Well,
1: how exciting for those kids. Well, just think about that if you were a kid to get to do that.
2: Well, it would be fun, and check this out. So the ships that were on Lake Huron they could not only hear the bell but they could feel the vibrations that was sent through the water much like they probably could have ninja Snorri right there
1: yeah that was a big one
2: so could you imagine that they can feel the vibrations that is well, the i water. mean
1: that's a huge bell i'm sure they could
2: george was also a prankster and that will that'll come into play a little bit later but he would give a strength test to all the adults as well as the children and this was done with the foghorn so the blast of the foghorn knocked almost every visitor off their feet. <laughs> so, but they didn't know that, and they just George would say so like, "Hey, why don't you just do this?" And then when they do it, they get knocked flat on their butt. That would've been funny.
1: Yeah, I probably would've laughed really hard at that.
2: Everyone loved George, even the animals in the woods. Lorraine said that George was able to coax a porcupine to come close enough for George to pet it at one point. Okay, and why even, do you
1: want to pet a porcupine?
2: And it even let George pull his tail. Oh, my goodness. In 1991, a bear started hanging around. George named him Bruno, and he talked to him, but the bear apparently started kind of scaring the deer, and so George asked it to leave, and it did.
1: He asked the bear to leave, and the bear just left.
2: Yep. Oh, come on. That's what she said. Lorraine said every night after everybody left, her and George would just kind of sit on the porch or in the living room. Sometimes they would light a fire and they would just listen to the waves crash against the rocks.
1: Ah, oh, sounds so nice.
2: She said the waves would be the lullaby that they went to sleep by every night.
1: You know you're jealous.
2: Uh, so much. Yeah. So much. She said when the temperature got colder in mid-October, they moved back to their home that was near the mainland. On January 2nd, 1992... George died of a massive heart attack.
1: Oh, no, George.
2: Aww. Four four months later, it was time for Lorraine to return to the lighthouse. She didn't want to go back there alone, but her kids talked her into doing it.
1: I was wondering if she would go back.
2: One night, Lorraine was driving on Grand Lake Road when she noticed something kind of unique. There was a light shining in the lantern room of the lighthouse. This couldn't be, though. See, the tower didn't have any electricity running into this, and she knew this because George had disconnected the electricity in 1979. George, by the way, was a retired electrician. So he oh, well, knew that's what he, good to know. He knew what he was doing. Good. So for all you kids out there, be safe. The Stebbins family had accidentally flipped a switch to the light, and it was back when uh, George and Lorraine were, were out at a, a function that they were doing. Mm-hmm. So the light had been burning for about four hours, illegally, before uh, George and Lorraine got back, and they saw the light, and they turned it off. Then the next day, George uh, went up there, and he disconnected all the electricity. So this, you know, couldn't happen again. Well, this wasn't good enough for the Coast Guard, so they had the gears removed as well to the lens, so it could no longer rotate. So as Lorraine drove along the road, she noticed that the light would occasionally... Disappeared as if the light was rotating once again. We know they removed everything.
1: Yeah, so how could it?
2: Yeah. So, but when she got to the lighthouse, there was absolutely no light coming from the beacon. So the next day, she climbed up to the lantern room to reassure herself that the power lines had not been reconnected somewhere or the bulb replaced, and she was relieved to find that neither had been done. She
1: was relieved, but then.
2: Well, she was still concerned what she had seen the the night before. Yeah, because she didn't tell anybody about it, though. Um, You know, as far as what she had seen, because she thought that they would ridicule her in one way, shape, or form. Because how in the world could she be seeing this light Mm -hmm. when there's not one? This was not a one-time thing. This continued over and over and over. She would see this light any time she drove that stretch of Grand Lake Road. And she like did... The,
1: the same stretch? Yes. Oh, gosh.
2: Yes, as she was coming towards the lighthouse... Yeah. ...she would see it. She eventually mentioned this to the members of her family, and they were obviously skeptical until they, they saw the light for themselves.
1: They saw the light, too?
2: Yeah, and you know what they said?
1: I saw the light. I saw the light.
2: No, they said... I'll tell you about their experiences after we take a few seconds to talk about El Yucateco Hot Sauce. Did you see all the people on Instagram and Facebook that's been now tagging us? Yes, it's amazing. all the pictures with El Yucateco. Yeah,
1: thank you guys for doing that. It's amazing. Thank you all for, for giving it a try.
2: It's awesome, and we're glad you do. Of course, there are seven different flavors, all kinds of different heat levels on there. I still like just the basic red sauce. The the basic green and the basic red are just kind of right in the middle of the mm-hmm. punch as far as the Scoville sign. But man, it's just good on everything. We love it. and uh, I don't
1: know. I think my favorite just when I put it on eggs. It's so good. Well,
2: yeah. I, I'm not a hot sauce on eggs kind of guy. Yeah, I know
1: you're not, but I just love it. It's but just I like, so uh, you good.
2: know, it's not their hot sauce. That's, a, that's the problem. I just don't like hot sauce on eggs. I'm no, kind of, yeah. I like scrambled eggs and cheese with ketchup. So, yeah.
1: Mm. You yeah, don't venture out too much, yeah. but that's all right.
2: But, El Yucateco is good on everything else mm-hmm. that I've tried. Anything that, and I love hot sauce. I put hot sauce in everything myself mm-hmm. and Coda. Coda puts hot sauce in everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. So,
2: anyways, you can get it at elyucateco.com if you can't find it in your grocery. It is in, in most major grocers, though, especially Target and Walmart. Uh, I know Jamie posted a picture the other night. She was at a Mexican restaurant and they actually had it on the table. Oh, at very the Mexican cool. Restaurant.
1: Good. So. Good for that.
2: That's great. But they are the king of flavor. Remember that.
1: King of flavor. Anybody
2: can do just heat. They've got heat and flavor. They
1: bring the heat
2: and the flavor. And the flavor. Thus, the king of flavor.
1: <laughs> it is so delicious. So, I'm so glad that we found it. Yeah. Honestly, it's really give, good.
2: Give it a try. And please, 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 they are fantastic sponsors of ours. Go to Instagram. And tag them, and tag us, and let them know that you heard about them through Hilly Horror Stories. Exactly. Yeah, do that. All right. So we're going to get back to the story now. The family noticed that as as they saw the light, that it was more of a yellow glow than your typical bright light. Your the bright white light that you would see out of a lighthouse. It was more like an oil lamp than an electric light. They said. Since they could never see the light on the property. They had to kind of go out on the road where they would normally see it and use high-powered binoculars from kind of afar to kind of view the lamp area.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking before you said all that, maybe it could have been a flashlight. But then I was like, well, they probably can't see
2: a flashlight. No, it was way way more than that. So sometimes, though, they would see a shadowy figure in the lamp area and on the catwalk. Word eventually spread, and soon people were gathering almost every night with binoculars on Grand Lake Road, and at the marina, and from boats and freighters that were close enough Mm -hmm. to try to see the light. National Guard pilots reported that they could see the light when they flew over during missions in the area. Who do you think had a problem next? I don't know. The U.S. Coast Guard also took notice. Remember, it was illegal for them to be using light. Yeah. So in August, some guardsmen came out to the light station, and they told the rain to turn off the illegal light. She said, well, I would be glad to do so if you could just tell me how it comes on. (laughs) So the men went up and checked it out and confirmed that there was no power going to the lens. They did uh, several different tests, including ordering all the lights in the area to go dark for a period of time so they could see this light on. And that that included the new lighthouse. They even had the new lighthouse to go dark They saw the light from the tower, but had no idea why or how to keep it from coming on. The light still comes on every night at dusk and goes off at daylight. The U.S. Coast Guard has identified it as an unidentified light. Lorraine calls it a spirit light. Oh, George. A number of boaters have come to the lighthouse to thank Lorraine for having a light on in the tower. One woman told her that her and some friends had been out at the lake the night before. They couldn't see their way because of the fog, and they were completely lost. She said they had no idea whatsoever where they were. The light seemed to appear out of nowhere. She said the light led them into the harbor, and when they got there, there was no more fog, and the light went off.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: Lorraine says that everyone who knew George when he was alive figures that that must be George up there.
1: Yeah, he's watching now for everybody. That's why I love George.
2: He was an electrician, and who else would know how to turn on the light except for God and electricians, she said. (laughs) On July 4, 1992, family members gathered at the lighthouse for a picnic. One of the women took her little girl up to the top of the tower to watch the fireworks. The little girl started crying and refused to go up to the lantern room. She then told her mom that there was a man standing at the top of the stairs. Her mother didn't see anybody at the top of the stairs. So she took the little girl back down anyway because she didn't want her to be scared. And once the girl calmed down, her mother asked what the man looked like. The little girl said he was tall, had snow white hair, a beard, and he wore glasses. This description fit George, who had passed away before the little girl had ever met him to a T.
1: Um. Aww.
2: she was then shown a picture of George and she said that was the man in the tower. Only he had been much brighter when she saw him. Yeah. So he had that little glowing. Lorraine was once asked what it felt like having the light on on the property. And she said it felt like protection. She says sometimes she feels George is right there with her. Some morning she wakes up and she smells sausage and eggs cooking. That's the breakfast that George would cook almost every single morning for her. (laughs) She says she knows for a fact that George was with her on September 5th, 1992. There was a big thunderstorm Mm -hmm. that was approaching. And she said, as it rapidly got close to the uh, actual lighthouse, she got kind of scared and she was going to go out the back door and escape the storm by jumping in her car and driving up the island some. But when she went up, or went to go out the back door, there was a round white metal patio table that had been pushed up against the the screen door. And she couldn't get out. So she tried to jiggle the door a little bit and Uh try to push it, but it wouldn't let her out. She said that was a blessing in disguise. It turns out if she had gotten out that door, she would have probably been struck by lightning because a lightning bolt struck that exact spot just a few seconds later. She said it was so strong that the bolt of lightning was so strong that it blew the surge protector that was under the living room window right out of the socket. Lorraine says that she knows that someone saved her that day, and it must have been George.
1: Man, George is a hero.
2: Yeah, she says she knows for a fact that Table was not there against that door earlier that day. Because yeah, because why had, would it be? She had been out that door already, and nobody else had been there on the property except for visitors and
1: that's the kind of aura I want around me. I hope somebody like George, you know, is around for me and you or whatever.
2: Yeah, that's really cool.
1: To keep us safe.
2: She got a visit one night from some members of the Coast Guard. And they were talking about George. And they started talking about, you know, just, you know, the time they've been on the island. Like I said, they've been there for 14 years. This is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the 15th year that, uh, that she had been there. And one of the Coast Guards, a guardman asked, if he thought that George would like a shot of whiskey. And she said that, you know, George enjoyed a drink from time to time. So they climbed up to the lantern room and they poured George a shot and just left it there. They climbed back down. Lorraine locked the tower like she does every night. She went back up the following morning to open up the tower before the tour started for the day. She said she could smell the liquor, but she didn't see the shot glass. She couldn't find it anywhere. So there was no broken glass anywhere, not in the, in the lantern room and not on the floor below the lantern room. She took that as George must have enjoyed the drink, but obviously thought that the lighthouse was not the place to be drinking. <laughs>
1: That's amazing.
2: So we talked about George being a prankster. This story kind of shows some of that. So there's this one town, there were five waitresses that were uh, all from a restaurant that mm-hmm. George and her used to visit. And they decided to stop in to check on Lorraine, see how she was doing. And uh, they were excited. They came, they came in and they wanted to know about the light. So all the ladies had locked their purses in one of the ladies' cars. They had just gotten paid that night, so they all had their money on them. So they put all their purses into one car and locked it up. They talked to Lorraine for a little bit. And then two of the ladies walked up to the lantern room to kind of see what was going on. Lorraine unlocked the door, but she waited down at the bottom of the steps and let the girls go up on their own. One of the young ladies made it about halfway up and ran back down. She said she felt someone in a tower was uh, not something she could see, but she just felt like something was there, and she was scared, and she just didn't want to go back up. The other woman continued the rest of the way. She spent a few minutes up there in the lantern room and then she came back down and she said she also felt like someone was in the tower with her but she just told whoever it was to leave her alone Mm -hmm. and she felt comfortable. So that's when Lorraine locked the door and the young lady said goodbyes and they walked to their cars. When they got back to the the one car where they had all the purses were, they obviously had made sure the car was locked before because that was the whole point of leaving all the purses in there. But when they got back to the car, it wasn't locked.
1: Oh, I would have had a heart attack.
2: And then when the driver started the car, everything came on. The lights, the radio, the wipers, and the horn. <laughs> so they figured that was George being the prankster that he was. So that's the story of the Isle Lighthouse.
1: Well, that's nice, but it wouldn't have been nice if George unlocked the door and all them people's ladies' purses have stolen.
2: Do you think if George can unlock the door that he's going to let their purses get stolen? Well, that's true, I guess. So...
1: Well, I like me some George, and now he's all right.
2: Yeah, George was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I like it.
2: So, all right. What do you got for us as far as, uh...
1: Well, I'll tell you what I got. (laughs) Oh, first off, we would like to say thank you.
2: Yeah, we want to say a big thank you to Karen Ladd from Melting Pot Creations.
1: Yes, oh my gosh.
2: So on the studio, and you guys are going to be able to, I posted a picture of this already. She recreated our logo, which when she told me, look, I'll be honest with you. When she said, I do wood burning and I want to do something for you guys. And I'm like, we were looking for something to put on the studio door. So that would be awesome. I did not have anywhere near the expectations of what her abilities were. I'm thinking wood burning and you know, we've got some some signs and stuff that are wood burning. and they're they're fairly basic and that's what I was expecting. I've never seen anything elaborate that was mm-hmm. wood burnt. And she's like, Oh, we could do this. And then she says something about doing our logo and I thought, Wow, that would be I I I just didn't see it being possible.
1: Yeah. And my God. Yeah, she she knocked, knocked it out. out of
2: the park. Hey, don't, don't be you...
1: stealing my words. That's what she said. Ooh.
2: I didn't even apply, but I said I know I didn't. But you did say she it. She so.
1: did a tremendous job. It is just gorgeous.
2: Yeah, and I was wanting, honestly, I was wanting to save it until we unveiled the room next week. But it was so good, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And I wanted people to see, I was so proud of it. I wanted people to see the work that she was able to do.
1: Yeah, thank so, you so much, honey. You did a wonderful job, and uh, we are just so excited to have that.
2: So it's posted on our on our Instagram page, and it's posted on our Facebook group. If you see this and would like some work done, I would highly advise you Mm -hmm. to use this young lady for for some work. And I'm I'm sure she would greatly appreciate it as well.
1: You will not be disappointed, that's for sure.
2: Yeah. So anyway, thank you, Karen Ladd and Melting Pot Creations.
1: Yes, thank you, doll. Okay, our iTunes reviews was from Jay Helmet, Mojo Lobster, Courtney Hennion, Jason Leach, and Sheila P. Shines Girl. Thank you, doll. Y'all give us such sweet reviews, and we really appreciate it so, so, so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, we definitely definitely keep them coming if you can, if you have a minute to just sneak in there and, and give one. That would be amazing.
2: And we got a special guest tonight. We got a chance to meet uh, Donna Womble at the Pitch and Ford show. Mm-hmm. Very sweet, oh, sweet gosh, lady, yeah. and she's awesome. t- and she's been a Patreon supporter for most of the time that we've had patreon and mm-hmm. we really appreciate that but she was telling us she had some stories and the story she told is pretty awesome yeah they're great so i like this one and you know anytime anytime somebody's got a story about haunted houses and uh, the more creepier the better so <laughs> we're actually going to listen to her right after we have a quick break from our sponsor Hey guys, we have Donna on the phone and Donna lives in Virginia right now, but at one point she lived in Sevierville, which is right outside of Pigeon Forge where we just did a live event. Donna actually came to the live event, so we finally got to meet after years of her avidly supporting the show. Donna, welcome aboard. Thank
0: you very much.
2: So you told me that you lived in Sevierville and the story that you've got for us today, even though you've got plenty of stories to go around. The one you've got for us today has to do with a house that's right there in that Pigeon Forge area, so to speak. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you tell us about that.
0: All right. This this occurrence happened in 2003. My husband at the time and my children, we had moved in. It was a beautiful rock home. It was a three-bedroom, two-bath basement. You know, it was, it was really nice. It was old, had all the, the amenities you could want for an older home. We move in and immediately things that are just you know hair stands up on the back of your neck the dog won't go upstairs he hmm. cries which is a good sign my little my youngest daughter would not sleep on her own i mean for this is day 1 you know she was 3 so i thought well she's 3 she can sleep with mama that's fine well small occurrences started happening we had all of our doors i would come home from work and all of our doors would be open i had four entry doors it had side porches and things and these locks were all Key deadbolt inside and out, which is physically impossible for these doors to open on their own. And this would be, you know, I thought maybe somebody was messing with me. Well, I mean, this got to be go every morning, check all these doors, make sure all of them were locked. I started locking the screen doors, except for the one that I went in every afternoon. I get home. This is every day, every day for the four months that we lived in this house. Every door would be standing wide open when I got home. Well, we changed the locks, deadbolts on all the doors. Again, the same thing. It keeps occurring. It just, it was, it was a day, every single day kind of occurrence. Well, it, it things, I mean, other than that, nothing happened for the, about the first month. Then my daughters, both of my girls were sleeping. They would sleep together and they would start screaming in the middle of the night. Something's staring at them. Something's looking at them. It's a new house. You know, I would tell them it's okay. You know, just calm down. And then I started feeling it. I could hear whatever this was at night would walk into the back door, would walk through this little hallway between the girls' bedrooms, up the stairs, across the landing, and it would stand at the edge of my bed every night for like two and a half months. And it was a real menacing kind of feeling. I told my husband, look, we got to do something. I can't live in this house. This is evil, whatever it is. He was a non-believer. No, we're not moving. We're just going to have to suck it up and deal with it. So it gets, I mean, it gets to be a stronger occurrence. It's more, I never physically saw anything, but I could hear. And it was a man He had very distinct, it sounded like work boots. And he would come in the back door. You could hear it every night. And he would make the same path up the stairs, into my bedroom, across the landing. And I had cedar. Everything was cedar. So it made a very distinct sound and he would come and you could feel him standing at the edge of the bed every night breathing. Well, one night I just, I I told my husband, I said, look, Mike, I'm not staying here tonight. I'm going to stay with my grandmother. I leave, he comes home and he finally believed me. This thing sat down in the bed with him one night, you know, just scared him just to death. You could also go down into the basement of this home. They had added a kitchen on at some point in time, and there was a room that they had boarded up. They tried to research this, but in 2003, all that kind of stuff was very limited. But the story in the neighborhood was that that room, someone had been in that room, and they were, I guess, a speci- they were special. They had uh, special needs,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: they
0: had kept them locked in this room, and they had passed. And that was one of the entities. We tried to sage the home. The rose, hit rose petals in the corners salted the house, and the activity got, I mean, it got worse. It got to the point where things were getting tossed around. My child was getting scratched. I was getting scratched. And we had had enough. And we, I mean, we just left in the middle of the night. And that was pretty much that house in a nutshell.
2: So you said you were only there for four months. So that's four the, months. That's the reason yeah. you left was because of the paranormal activity? Yes,
0: yes, yes. Me, on top of the fact that I am, I am a haunted person. I don't know the spirit that it is that follows me, but it's, it's more of a, it's a good spirit, I would say. It's more of a protective, but whatever this was in the home, I don't know if it was demonic. You know, when my, my three-year-old is getting scratched in the middle of the night and if she, slept to, you know, she sleeps by herself or with her sister, claw marks. The dog didn't sleep with her. He slept outside. He wouldn't even come in the house. He got to the point where he just, he was like, nope, I'll just stay out in the pen. <laughs> it was a, a big ordeal
2: that's scary all the way around
0: oh yeah yeah i mean i also see shadows i see shadow people all the time you know it's just it runs in the family we are a i don't want to say that we're uh what is the word i'm looking for we all have a different clairvoyant type thing i don't see i hear i can hear spirits i can feel them i have one sister that can see Another, my other sister, she has the ability to, she sees people right before they die, which is a strange, so we're a, an in-tune kind of family, if that makes sense.
2: Right. Well, I gotta be honest with you, that that's actually one of the creepier stories we've had on here, I think. I mean, we've had a bunch of, th- that's almost like something straight out of what you would see in a movie.
0: Well, there's something about Severeville. I don't know. There is an energy it's when you live there, you know, and I lived in several areas of that part of east tennessee i don't know if there's a, a special kind of magnetic pool or a lot of i don't know if there was a lot of uh, american indians i know there's a reservation in cherokee i don't know what it is but the energy in a lot of those places is just not right if, do, if you know what i mean
2: do you think it has anything to do with just being at the foothills of the mountains there
0: well that's very possible I mean, that is very possible because I where I live here in Lynch Lynchburg, it actually kind of has the same feel. We're on the other side, right in, in a valley in, in the Blue Ridge Mountain, and it has the same feeling here. So I definitely think, and it could be that those mountains are old, so that could be an old energy being picked up. I don't know.
2: Well, Donna, thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your story with us. We appreciate it, and it was a blast mm-hmm. meeting you last weekend. You too. We will talk to you soon. All right. I don't think there's anything scarier than not being able to feel like you can protect your kids. And when, like, no. you got a three-year-old getting scratched in the middle of the night, I mean...
1: I can't imagine it, what she was going through.
2: I mean, it's, when you, it's something like an entity or something. I mean, I mean, if it was a person doing it, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or something, you can kick them out. You can get rid of them. But what can you do in that case? It's crazy. Mm, I and don't I, know. And I liked hearing that that story was right there in the neck of the woods where we were. Yes,
1: so. it was. Yeah, it was really scary. I can't, I mean, just a thought of thinking of something like that happening to Coda or, or Addie, you know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah. oh, I don't know how she dealt with it, honestly.
2: Before we get out of here, I want to remind people that we do have merchandise for sale at hillbillyhorrorstories.com. We forget to mention that most of the time. So, and we, we occasionally somebody writes write and say, hey, do you got stuff for sale? Uh-huh. it's because we don't ever mention it. But hillbillyhorrorstories.com, you can actually buy. Shirts, mugs, shower curtains, you name it. It's pretty much available there. And uh, also, if you're uh, a listener to the other podcast that I have, warning, you will be offended. There's also sh- shirts and everything are available there at hillbillyhorrorstories.com. So you can pick up either one. On top of that, are you ready for this? What? You can support us on Patreon and you get Several bonuses a month, depending on which level you go in. If you can join for a dollar a month, that gets you all of our episodes that we put out with no commercials, ad free, and that's worth it by itself. But you also get four little bonus episodes a month. Mm -hmm. We do the little shorts on there, so you'll get like a five, six, seven, eight-minute episode once a week at the dollar range. So that's not bad.
1: No, not too bad.
2: But you can go. Yeah, you can go all the way up to the highest level, which is fifteen dollars. You get 24 mini episodes a month, plus you get two full-length bonus episodes. So, there you go. And you get some merchandise discounts and stuff like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Anyways. Check it out. Yeah.
2: Go to Patreon, subscribe. You'll be glad you did. And it doesn't cost you anything to start. Like, if you started right now and went and signed up, you'd have the rest of the month for free. They don't charge until the beginning of the next month. Yeah, that's true. So, you can always try it. If you don't like it, get back out. It didn't cost you anything. Mm, there you go. No harm, no foul.
1: So you guys have a blessed week, and it keeps creeping up. We'll be to Halloween before you know it, so we're excited about that.
2: Yep, and don't forget, Friday night, Facebook Live, be looking for us, the unveiling of our new studio.
1: <laughs> yeah. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Love ya.